And uh, joining us uh, on the phone is somebody who's been following St. Joe's for a while. This is Matt Gifford, contributor for Hawk Hill Hardwood, a 247sports.com site. And uh, give us more insight as to who Taylor is and how he might fit in for the Aggies. Uh, Matt, thanks for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you for thank you for having me on. This is my my first radio spot with a station in Utah, so this is cool. Ah, well, we'll hope to uh, not jade you too much and uh, <laughs> ruin your experience. And uh, but anyway, this is uh, kind of exciting news. Uh, maybe a little bit unexpected to see somebody from the A10 consider Logan as a destination. But f- for a lot of people, we have to remember that this coaching staff in, in, at Utah State spent time at Maryland Baltimore County and they've this coaching staff has a lot of experience on that uh, east coast so this isn't a big of a surprise to get somebody like this here but we're still kind of wondering who is Taylor Funk and what has he done for St. Joe's and it's kind of a big open-ended question but how would you describe no, how he plays It's a good one. Yeah, so Taylor is a guy that um I obviously he spent he spent a while at St. Joe's, and I actually got to start covering him still when he was in high school. So the first time I saw Taylor Funk play basketball was um, probably like the June of his junior year of high school. So we're going back like six years now. And at the time, like you you kind of look at him and say he's tall, but like really nothing else about him screamed basketball player. His his body type wasn't really great at that point. Um, he wasn't like, didn't look to be in particularly great shape. And that's something that even like his freshman year at St. Joe's, which he had a tremendous freshman year at St. Joe's, um, like one of the best three point shooting seasons that a freshman ever had at St. Joe's. Um, in fact, I think he set the record, which the following year was broken by Charlie Brown Jr., who now is in the NBA. Um, so he, he can really shoot. And his freshman year at St. Joe's, that, that's essentially what Taylor was. Uh, kind of like a pick-and-pop four guy. Um, wasn't going to be the greatest rebounder, wasn't going to be the greatest defender uh, as a freshman. But uh, to, to Taylor's credit, he, he battled through injuries at St. Joe's. But despite that, he really, he really, really improved his body a lot. Um, normally, right, like when you're talking about a kid getting used to college from high school, you want to hear them talk about putting on weight like i'm sure when you guys talk about incoming players it's normally like once they get strength this is what they could become right with taylor it's been quite different it's been like when he loses some weight what can he become and he really now is a thin um like pretty mobile athletic enough guy that can run the floor and, and really can shoot the ball a lot so like i know that's an overused term but to give the people that are listening out in Utah or wherever else a little bit of context. Um, I've been doing this a while covering St. Joe's and I think Taylor is probably in my 12 years that I've been doing it like this, probably the second best shooter that I've covered Um, with the other being Langston Galloway, who played a number of years in the NBA, um, like, like five or six years in the NBA. So that is, close to where Taylor is as a shooter. He's 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 essentially an NBA shooter at 6869. Hey, I want to ask you about the elite schools that were going after Taylor. I mean, it's it's quite the list. Uh Matt and I was wondering, do you know what may have attracted him to even look at Utah State, nonetheless even come to Utah State? 
<laughs> that is a wonderful question. So I've covered Taylor for a while. I've gotten to know Taylor over the years a little bit. Um, and he's an extremely humble, extremely hardworking guy. I would say one thing about him that made this decision surprising is that Taylor grew up about an hour from St. Joe's. Taylor was homeschooled. So he was a homeschooled kid who then proceeded to go to college um, for the very few people listening that are going to know this area at all. He's from Lancaster, which is about in 45 minutes, an hour outside of Philadelphia. Um, his parents were at, unless I missed one, every single game that he played at St. Joe's. They were at games where he didn't play because he was hurt. So when that news popped the other afternoon, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I did a little bit of a double take and went, oh, like Utah, that's, that's not... That's not necessarily what I expected from a distance standpoint. But the more that I thought about it, and like the style, the little bit that I know, um, and honestly, I've done a lot of this research since the commitment, um, I can see how that conference and how that school would have an appeal to Taylor. And I also could see, like, could I have seen him at a school like, I don't know, there were like Big Ten schools looking at him. Could I have seen him in that conference as a specialist? I could. Um, but I don't know if that's what he wanted. And again, I, I'm not pretending to speak as if I've spoken with him since then, but I, I mean, I could see him as someone that would have a, a little bit of an adjustment going from playing 35 to 40 minutes a night down to like 15, which I, I'm assuming with his decision for, for Utah State and his discussions with the coaching staff, that's not what he's coming out there to do, not to come out there to play 15 minutes a night but to, at the minimum, like compete for a starting role and, and play a significant a significant role out there for the Aggies. I think one of the big questions a lot of us have had, uh, without being able to see a lot of tape on him just yet, is you know, it, he looks like he's a shooter, a guy that can step out and shoot, got a good uh, stroke, but how much does he mix it up in the paint? Does Is he okay with contact, or does he rather draw his opponents out and out of the paint because of his shooting ability? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. So he, it's a little bit of a, a mixed bag with Taylor. So his greatest strength is his shooting. He will rebound. Like, he's not adverse to contact. Um, I know there'll be the stereotype of a six eight six nine stretch 4 that he does not want contact. I would not say that. Um, I would not ever attempt to put a label on him as being soft or shying away from contact um, at all. Like, there were games he had at St. Joe's just this past year against good A-10 competition where he had double-digit rebounds. Um, like, he'll, he'll rebound the ball. He'll go in there. He'll mix it up. He would prefer to shoot. He's an outstanding free-throw shooter when he gets to the line. Um, I would say, obviously, what you're, you guys are going to see is tape, and all that tape is going to be him just knocking down threes because that's what he does. Um, he, he's not going to be a guy that's going to necessarily like operate in the post offensively at all. Uh, I've been watching him for years and years and years and could probably single out his post-ups. Uh, he's not going to be a guy that's going to do that. Defensively, in the A-10, he, he's had to play the five. So he's a guy that has defended A-10 five men. Um, and done a pretty good job at it. He's gotten a lot better defensively as he's gotten older and wiser. Um, I, I definitely would say that rebounding, he'll hold, hold, hold up there. 
shooting will hold up there. If I and I, I really, really like Taylor's game a lot. One thing that I think probably from that higher level interest on the transfer market was the the holdout is he's not a guy that's going to to really do anything off the bounce. Um whole whole score off the offensive glass, whole shoot will get to the line, but he's not really a guy that's going to, like, shot fake from three and then drive past somebody. He, he Laterally, his quickness is not a strength, um, and his ball skills are, are not a strength. Like, they're, they're okay, but he's not a guy that's going to be, like, blowing by people off the dribble. Uh, how does Ryan Odom use him, you think? So I so I, I don't know a ton about what Utah State's roster looks like for next year. Um, I will say that he is much much better as a as a as a four than a five. Um, I would also say that he's not. You're not going to want him defending wings. Just as I kind of referred to a moment ago, that lateral quickness of his um, defensively is a bit of a liability. Um, he's tough. And he will defend, but I've watched him guard wings in the A-10 and struggle um, with guys getting around him. So I think that that he will be used probably by Ryan Odom the best as 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 just like a, a stretch four. So he's a guy that will run. He's a guy that will rebound. He's a guy that will, I mean, have a green light. His game this past year against Georgetown, and yeah, I know it's not Georgetown that when you hear Georgetown you think of, but, I mean, I, I, I might be off here, but he was something like 8 for 9 or 9 for 10 or something like that from 3 in that game. And I, I watched that from my sofa. And, I mean, it was it was up there as one of the better, the better shooting displays I've seen. I mean, he, he doesn't need much time at all to get his shot up. And at 6'8 plus, he, he, he doesn't really struggle getting that shot up over defenders either. So um, I think Ryan Odom would want to use him as someone that can pull a big man away from the basket. Um, I think he'd want to use him as someone that can get hot. I will say Taylor is a streaky shooter, and toward the end of the year this year, he had some injury injury things, and that, that's another thing here. He's had um, a couple little a couple little things over the years, but he um, when he's on, I'll tell you, you are, and you'll see these games next year. You'll see games next year. I promise you, where he's going to go six for eight or seven for ten or something like that from three if Ryan Odom gives him that kind of volume. Um, A10 basketball generally, just give us an idea. I mean, there's there's some high level basketball being played there. I mean, the, the the Bonnies, Davidson, Dayton. I mean, what I'm looking at what six teams at 22 wins or more at the top. Yeah, level. that's a good conference. Yeah, even in a down year, it's a good conference. Um, and this was a down year for the A10, but it was still a year that saw Richmond, who and put it this way, St. Joe's won at Richmond by. 30-some points this year, and St. Joe's wasn't good this year. So St. Joe's won at Richmond by 37 or something, 27, something crazy. And then Richmond went on to make the tournament and beat Iowa. So, like, wow. I mean, Richmond, Richmond's consistently very good. I mean, you have VCU and, I mean, Dayton beat Kansas and whoever else this year, Kansas in the Final Four. So um, it, it is a good conference. It's it, it has years where it's two bids. It has years where it's four bids. But uh, if, if you're wondering, listeners, like what A10 brand of basketball is going to be, definitely like guard and wing heavy. 
Um, like really, really, I mean, there's a lot of NBA guards right now that, that came out of the A-10 from like Bone Thailand, who went to VCU to, I mean, St. Joe's has, I think, four guys in the NBA right now. So, uh, and they're mostly, mostly guards and wings. Up front, uh, you're normally talking about rim runners, uh, and not necessarily a ton of, it's not Big Ten basketball. You're not going to be dealing with a ton of post-ups. So, so when Taylor was playing defense in the A-10, he was dealing with um, a lot of like switching. He was dealing with a lot of, at times, like six six power forwards, but guys that would would step out and shoot. Guys that were extremely athletic. Um, and then as five men, you're dealing with either guys that have stepped down from from power fives, uh, which St. Joe's had a player just like that this year who came from Vanderbilt to St. Joe's. Um, but it's definitely guard and wing heavy. Definitely really really athletic basketball. And, uh, I mean, I've, I've been covering it for 12 years and I've seen some, some really, really terrific teams and some really terrific players. And Taylor is, is one of the more fun players I've, I've watched. Like with anyone, when you watch him for that long, you kind of, the weaknesses jump out. But his strengths, I mean, his shooting, his, his willingness to, to compete, um, I mean, you're, you're getting a good player. And I'm a, a little surprised just from a location standpoint, especially that it happened. So, Kudos to, to the staff there for being able to pull that off. Matt, let me ask you here my final question for you. And I, I, I it, this is putting you in a really, really tough spot. That's but okay. where, where do you see or how do you see Taylor Funk performing this upcoming basketball season, knowing what you know about him, knowing what you know, you know about the Mount West Conference and you know some of the athletes that come out of there? How do you think he yeah. handles and does here in the Mount West Conference this upcoming season? Yeah, so the Mountain West got what four bids this year? Yeah, yeah I believe one right? IT team. Yeah, so you're you're talking. I it's weird. I would I would not say that the I, the Mountain West had a really good year this year. I would say like traditionally, at least recent history, uh, the A10 and the Mountain West are relatively similar conferences in terms of kind of being, I think, a little underregarded nationally. Like I know the A10 really well. And I watch a lot of Big East and a lot of ACC and a lot of Big Ten and see routinely teams in this conference that can beat those teams. Um, the, what I've seen of the Mountain West is a conference that's similar. Like, that was a deep, a deep and good conference this year. I think, to answer your question, and you didn't put me in a tough spot, it's a good one, um, I think a lot's going to be up to the coaching staff. Hmm. So I, I don't know a ton about Ryan Odom, uh, other than know that he was highly regarded coming from UMBC. Uh, I do know that Taylor is a guy that needs to be used a certain way. And I think that that's what Ryan Odom's going to really need to be able to do this year. He's gonna, And it'll be a year. So he'll have a little bit of time here to figure out how to make the puzzle work. Because pretty early on, I think, the staff, the players, you'll see exactly what he is. And if he's used the right way, he, he's a difference maker type of player. Um at times, I feel like when I've watched him at St. Joe's, he played for two coaching staff. Um, he had injuries. I, I think there were some ups and downs that weren't entirely on him. I think there were some last year uh, he was forced to play the five, which he's not. Um, and then this past year, the team just frankly wasn't all that good um, or as good as they expected to be. So I think that if Ryan Odom's able to say, all right, we need to get Taylor Funk six to eight threes a game, and there will be a game where he makes one of them, and there will be a game where he makes seven of them. 
uh, but we're just going to continue to get him good looks off off like mismatches. Um, he he's kind of like a, a little bit of a like a mismatch in Ryan Odom's favor. You got to figure out how to use him, kind of cover some of his deficiencies defensively. Um, but I wouldn't. Uh, there aren't that many guys at his size that can shoot like he can shoot, and shooting and spacing is so important. Uh, that if he's able to be used right, I mean, I think that I think that it'll be a really, really good experience for for the staff and for and for Taylor as well. Uh, Matt, final question for me, and I think you've you've kind of alluded to it, just as some of the changes that were going on with his roster and, and coaching as well. But last year, the season before, he was a guy averaging seventeen, eighteen points a game. And that declined this season. What is it because of the position he was playing and had to shift there because of personnel? What was the difference in why he, his scoring dropped this year compared to last? So I will be very, very candid and say that the last eight to ten games of this year were by far the worst that I've seen him play at Sejos. Um, and that, that, off that, when you take that into account, I think that that's going to show. Like, if you were to look at his scoring from the first half of the year and then the second, um, he had some, some pretty decent injury stuff that he fought through. I know there were reports toward the end of the year of, like, him having to get his foot drained after games, um, and he obviously wanted to continue playing. Um, but I would say, like, the last eight to ten games of this year, he was a little bit of a shell of himself. I know that none of that was lingering stuff. That's not stuff that's going to be like long term. But he had like a foot thing, and then in the second to the last game of the year, he broke a, like he um, fractured a finger that put him out six to eight weeks. So um, that definitely, I think, altered him this year. And I will say, like, if you go back and look, there have been stretches of games that he has missed. Um, he missed most of his, I want to say, sophomore year due to injury. Um, and again, these aren't like softness things. Like he, he played through some serious pain this year, but I think that injury is a part this year. I think that Taylor and St. Joe's both expected to be better this year. Um, the, the, the guard on St. Joe's this year is a, a guy named Jordan Hall, who is, um, who left for the NBA draft and is a guy that is projected kind of like mid second round, um, he also kind of had some of his numbers go down this year as well. So uh, I, I think that I wouldn't, like from your standpoint, look at his dip this year and be concerned about that being something moving forward. I think it's the kind of thing a change in scenery could help. I think it's a type of thing that um, he'd been at St. Joe's for a long time. He'd been at St. Joe's for five years. Um, sometimes toward the end of the time anywhere, you're ready for a change of scenery and it'll help you. And I would I would expect more of statistically like per thirty six the Taylor Funk of two years ago than this past year. Interesting. Well, that's a fascinating look as to who this guy is and what he might bring to the table for Utah State coming up next season. And Matt, appreciate your insight. You've been watching this very closely, and appreciate helping us understand a little bit more about who Taylor Funk is and what he could look like for USU. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, absolutely happy to join you guys.